Hello, welcome to Skip It, the podcast that is dedicated to the Australian television show Skippy the Bush Kangaroo. I am joined here by Lee. Hey, Johnny. And Ashwin. Hi, guys. And we are up to, believe it or not, episode 37, Be Our Guest, uh, which is pretty uh, crazy. Uh, We're sort of 37 episodes in. This episode was uh, scripted by Ross Napier, directed by Max Varnell, producer Dennis Hill and uh, Lee Robinson. Also, I just thought I'd mention the executive producer, which is Bob Austin and John McCallum. So they were executive producing pretty much the whole time. And then, of course, we've got all, all our usual cast. There are two extras. Well, not two. There's a few more extras. But we um, we have uh, Marion Merrick, who is uh, Clancy's mum, played by Jessica Node, and I'll get to her then. And then we've also got some reoccurring characters that aren't reoccurring, but they're reoccurring actors. So I'll get to them when they come up and explain who the backgrounds for them. So I'll just get right into this episode. Um, it was first aired on the 25th of March, 1968. We start off with a shot with Clancy riding along some really nice beach shots. So she's riding along the beach. And again, this national park that has beachfronts, rivers, uh, cliffs, like everything. Um, I, I just find it funny. Very jaunty music. And then we cut to a carpet python as she's riding along something's going to happen and uh we cut back to uh clancy riding we have this for a bit where it's like clancy riding cut back to snake and she rides past the snake and i don't know about you guys but i thought this was a really good shot because it showed everything we had like just a full flat shot of like clancy riding towards us with a snake on a branch like a carpet python always a carpet python here in um skippy world and Basically, you see this whole shot, you see the horse come up to the snake, and then we cut to a shot of it rearing and knocks Clancy. She knocks her head, and then the horse bolts. Uh, And then we cut to um, an Aboriginal man watching all of this, and then we sort of also see a tribe behind him watching all this happen, and then we cut to the intro. So there was a pretty cool start for all this. Ashwin, what did you reckon of the intro? It sort of threw you right into it, didn't it? I did like the intro. And every time I see a snake crawling towards the action, I always it always gives me like Jungle Book vibes. I'm not sure, do you guys get that? Or is that just a cultural reference to me? It just feels so Jungle Book. It doesn't feel Australian. I feel like the snake's about to talk and it's going <laughs> to... Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's going to seduce uh, Clancy or something. Yeah. Or yeah, it's definitely got a vibe, but it does add action. I, yeah, I liked the scene. Yeah, we'll find out who the horse is later because I think that's quite telling. As yes, yeah, yeah. So it's 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 a fun action shot. Um, it's nice to see Clancy, the star of the show, for an episode because that doesn't happen very often. And I didn't think um, every time I watch this kind of episode, I'm always struck by how connected more traditional Indigenous cultures and lives to the mainstream society were they very remote did they live on the national park are they neighboring the national park because it seems yeah. that people are living that type of lifestyle more widely in 1967 than they would be today yeah yeah it does sort of seem like with most of the um aboriginal people we've encountered so far it's um they've all been like you know just tribes you know milling about so it's sort of very interesting that but um yeah no lee what did you reckon of this intro yeah it was really good like you write about the shots but what i was going to ask you john because i think you might know a little bit more about reptiles than we do i'm sorry if i'm assuming that ash but i'm not sure how much you know 
Yeah, I mean, when, when you kept saying it, you kept thinking about a cartoon snake from the Jungle Book. <laughs> I figured probably, <laughs> yeah. probably John knows more, but probably you know as much as you probably know as much as me, Ashwin. But my question, John, is we've we've seen a couple of snakes, like you said, they always use carpet pythons. For those who don't really know the poisonous versus the you know non-lethal snakes, or even ones that aren't even necessarily aggressive. How would you describe a carpet python? Did you ever own a snake? I feel like you used to own a snake or your yes, brother. Yes, I did. Snake. I did. Um, when I was a kid, uh, well, teenager, I had a um, a python, and it was just a. It was called. They're called children's pythons. The one I had, and it was almost like a miniature carpet python. So they've got like a nice patterned carpet uh, shape on them, and ironically enough, it wasn't called a children's python because it was small it was because it was discovered by a guy whose last name was children's which i thought was pretty funny and um yeah so i i did have a snake but yeah I, actually now that i look at the shot again because i'm just having a quick look i think it might even be a diamond python which is a another type of uh python and just to sort of add to Lee's sort of thing where, you know, pythons are, um, are restrictors. They they restrict their prey, so they basically bite it and then twine around it. They're not poisonous at all. But, you know, I guess they'd still scare horses generally. Um, but it's, it seems to be a common theme. But what you really don't want, like, is a, a red-bellied black or a, a brown snake or a, or a taipan. Like, I, the list goes on. But you don't really see too many poisonous snakes because I'm assuming, like, it just was maybe just too too hard to handle with this and it was just a lot easier to do the carpet python no one in the 60s knew what a carpet python was they just look like snakes anyway so i think there's a little bit of that in there yeah that's cool um, but you're right it was, it, they're very i think that the reason they also use them apart from the fact that they're not lethal in terms of being poisonous mm-hmm. is that they just grow really big yes, so, yeah. so they look intimidating yeah they look very they're very large they look intimidating and yeah as i said they're usually really easy to handle very calm so um, i think that's why they were, one of the reasons why they were used so much in tv tropes especially in australia and and skippy and so we'll get back into it we've got clancy she's dazed um she sort of gets up and calls for bullet and ashwin was talking before about this horse that we uh we, and you know with this really shows the order as well because i feel like this should have definitely been played before that other episode that mentioned clancy getting thrown by bullet spoiler so um which i'm i think you were referring to ashwin yeah and this is why i was struggling because clancy knows that bullet is a dickhead and she still chose to write him. uh there's so many horses to choose from so yeah i was just surprised at that choice so clancy's just Maybe got a bit too cocky that morning. Yeah, yeah. Well, it made me um, think about the episode order because I feel like this should have gone before because I feel like the, in that previous episode where um, Aunt Evelyn... I'll bring this up now that there are lots of similarities between this episode and and the Aunt Evelyn episode, um, just in the general theme, I'd say. A race against time to prove men can race women or children <laughs> just as well and i have a feeling they were f- referring to this point in time when um clancy was thrown so i don't know that's how i sort of fe- sort of took it but um i thought it was really interesting so bullet is a known bad horse and um we've seen her in previously in the aunt evelyn episode where she where he throws aunt evelyn but she's totally cool and tries to cover it up but um so she w- Clancy's all dazed, she's all dirty, and um, she's walking through the bush, and this is also while the tribe is looking on. She hasn't noticed them yet. And so back at the station, they're cleaning up in preparation for Clancy's mother, 
And so we have a shot of the guys cleaning up and making Clancy's room ready because I think she was living in the caravan. So I think she's moved into the house. They better or better put her in the house. There was a mention of Mark might have said or, or Matt might have said that the uh, wish that she hadn't taken a morning ride this morning to ride. So, you know, Clancy just pushing it. With well, something yeah, else, but... before we cut back though, we have to point out the shot of Skippy going through Clancy's underwear drawer. <laughs> In that shot, and at first, and because because Matt really gets angry, and he's like, "Skippy, get out of there!" Oh, that's right. Yes, yes. Sorry, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, but what I wondered is, apart from the like the jokes of it, could it be that Skippy heard that a mother was coming and forgot for a second that she is the reincarnated mother as the kangaroo? It's almost like she thought, "Oh, I better get dressed for this encounter." True, true. Well, it also could be just like her being a mother and trying to clean up as well, but she's a kangaroo, so she can't. Yeah. Also, just be that Skippy has a kink. <laughs> yes, yes. She likes just to go through underwear drawers. I was trying to keep, I was trying to keep it clean, but yeah. <laughs> she, she's just got frat boy mentality. Just yeah, going to go great training all the time. She, or if she like hopped out and she was wearing them on her head. Just to yeah. be like extra <laughs> Well, she puts them all in the pouch, you know. That's the best thing. Uh, yeah. But anyway, and we see this later, like Skippy's pouch ability. And... Uh, and so we go back to Clancy. Um, she's lost. And then she makes a very interesting comment. She uh, says what she wouldn't give to get have a compass, which, you know, we know from Matt's previous comments that she wouldn't be able to use it. And then the tribe is still following her. And they sort of do this cool thing where they signal each other to come out. And there's um, some cool shots later that we'll get to where they do some cool ninja stuff. And then we've got... Uh, Clancy, and she gets like a full-on nature show now. Uh, we get, okay, I've put it all down. The animals are sort of agitated around her too. And then there's a glar, a ringtail possum, sugar glider, shingleback lizard, a goanna. And I think we might have seen like a dingo maybe as well in there. And so, um, and then she's just continuing walking after seeing all of these cool animals. And uh, the tribe is still following yeah, I was studying. I had a guest this week on the radio was talking about the history of propaganda films. And he said one of the key techniques used in propaganda films was exactly that type of montage shot. Like the Moscow School of Propaganda pioneered the montage shot. We just hit people with a range of images, preferably yeah. like unrelated to create so that they create their own meaning. This was just a weird bird montage, but it was a bit disorienting. So added to the kind of. Um, that sense of otherworldliness of the episode. Clancy's knocked out. She's not in her normal head. And you got a bit of that sort of disorientation from this weird bird montage shot as well. Um, so we go on to Mark and Jerry. They're at the fuel pump and they're talking about Clancy's mum. And suddenly, I, th- I, I, I sort of didn't really take too much note of their conversation, but they were sort of oh, I have nervous to. about I, it. I did. Oh, yes, yeah, totally carry on. Only <laughs> because I thought this was a very interesting line. So yeah. at, the, at the station, the conversation, Mark says that he hopes Clancy's mum is easy to get along with because, his quote was, I'm not really keen on girls. Interesting. <laughs> I thought that was very, I mean, <laughs> the opposite of Jerry. Jerry's like, oh, more for me, mate. It's just all wow. interesting because that doesn't signal that he's gay. To me, that signals he's very young because that's the kind of thing that, oh, he's a little kid. Like, oh, girl, Jerry. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, no, that is, I, I sort of wish I took more note of that. And then, so they're talking away about Clancy's mum and uh, we have Bullet arrive, riderless. Uh, Mark sort of points and goes, oh, look, there's Bullet. And uh, they both go over and then they figure out something. 
must be uh, Clancy must be in trouble. Mark goes and immediately goes and gets uh, Matt. Mark quickly tells Matt the situation and Matt tells Jerry to go to the chopper and prepare it. Um, and then he tells uh, Mark to take Bullet to the stable. So they're on to the mission. And obviously a ticking time bomb here because Clancy's mum is not far away. So we've got Clancy still wandering through the bush, still with the tribe following her. We have that cool organ music that we saw. I'm not sure. I think it was in their Singing Me Back where it's that and then we've got like the sticks and then we've got a didgeridoo as well so there's some very like you know obviously trying to give you a bit of an impression that there's something maybe ominous but obvious we we know that they're they're cool and clancy is really tired and she's walking and walking and walking and there's this really cool shot that i mentioned earlier where we have one of the tribe comes out and he's sort of hiding behind a tree and then he sort of signals like this is a big broad shot and he's off to the side sort of and and all in the background in the bush, they all the um, tribe just appear out of the bush, like totally out of nowhere, which I thought was like super ninja cool. And I, I love that shot. That was a very good shot. What do you guys reckon of that? I was enjoying this whole bush skills that they had. And I, I'm always uh, curious about how they're going to present Indigenous Australia, especially when Ross Napier's at the helm. What are they going to say? What are they, so, And, you know, the music was a bit menacing at the start. So I thought, okay, they're already a scary bunch of people, but maybe they'll twist that later and there'll be a nice reveal. And, you know, I'm always thinking when you're a group of men, when there's 12 of you and there's a woman who's not sure about you, how do you convey that you're not a threat, you're not dangerous when you <laughs> – speak the same language and yes. at, at this point they didn't seem to be showing that maybe they were just being placid and calm but there was no sort of submissive gestures or anything to say hey we're not a danger so i mean they were, they were building suspense using that method i could see that but yes. yeah it wasn't a good look for the tribe initially but you know things change as we go Absolutely. But then, uh, so then we cut back again to Matt telling Jerry and Mark that they're both in the chopper now um, to that uh, they'll go up and have a look for her and um, he will drive and try to find her. Um, but then he's got to go pick up Mrs. Merrick and then Sonny will be on the radio. And we haven't actually seen Sonny this whole episode yet. I thought that was sort of interesting that it's like we're pretty much very much halfway in and we haven't even seen Sonny. And this next scene is like really interesting because it's like, word to the wise, anytime you come up to a dirty pool in the middle of the bush, don't drink it. Because um, this is what Clancy does immediately. Lee, what, what did you reckon of Clancy going straight for this dirty, dirty poo water? <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, is it because she was just completely disoriented or was she just, because she hasn't seen the tribe yet. No. So my thinking as well is that they probably looking at each other going, what is this idiot white girl doing? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's not the water. Because later on we see they show the water in a nice little rock yes. pool where it's yeah. not all cloudy and muddy. So I thought that was that was definitely interesting. But yeah, not, not really surprising as well. If Ross wrote this one, did he just assume, oh, well, female, she's not going to know any smarter things to do. Here, let's she just can't write read a compass. <laughs> you know? right, we'll write that in. And then the second point that you mentioned before around, you know, when you have 12 males approaching and there's this... Uh, mm a young girl on her own and i wondered was he thinking well it's a girl outnumbered by 12 men or do you think there was like this whole idea of well it's a different race therefore there's like uh, and it's a tribal culture so there's fear in that i just wondered whether the fear was because of the well it's 12 men versus one 
young yeah. female. Whether it was more around, oh no, uh, it's, it's a different race. That's the scary part. Which is, I, I hope it's not that because no, really, if you saw twelve white guys around a young girl, you'd be thinking the same thing. You'd be like, that's not. That's a bit of a scary situation. I think it's more of the mysterious, a mysterious tribe. You know, like whether they have hostile or noble intent. I guess. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah, but yeah, no, I'd hope it's on that side. So yeah, I think I think it is because we're in the sixties. It's still pretty naive. We're all cynical and terrible people. So you know, um, you know, we, we always think the worst. So. <laughs> Preserving our judgment, but there's just they're building tension with that aesthetic. And I just I wonder if the reverse ever gets played. Like you know, does everyone turn up at a venue and there's twelve Aussie blokes and they're just not sure what the Aussie blokes are going to do. Are they going <laughs> to... So I'll get back into it. We get back to the dirty pool, the dirty poo pool, and we have Clancy just about to drink from it. Luckily, uh, one of the tribesmen knocks her hand with his spear butt, I think, and she looks up, obviously very surprised, and the whole tribe is around her. They try to um, talk to her, but she doesn't understand. Um, she gets up and says she's lost, the men turn around and they all sort of start filing off. And then one, the sort of, I'd, I'll call him the main tribe tribesman. Uh, he motions to follow because uh, he sort of seems to be the one that he stopped the drinking and everything. So can we and, also and, add, John, yeah. that when they're doing that, when they're focusing on them talking, they are talking so fast. Yes. And I don't know whether, that, whether they actually said, no, no, talk as quickly as you can, because we want yeah. it to be not only a different language, but just at a such a frenetic pace that it just yeah. sounds overwhelming. It would be it's interesting scary. to see what the translation is. And sorry, I should, um, I've mi- totally missed the revealing of the tribe, which uh, they've been used before. They were in the um, previous episode and they're the um, Aboriginal tribe. They're played by the members of the um, Aboriginal theatre of Yurikala in Arnhem Land and NT. So they were in all those other episodes, uh, I think, Singing Me Back. And what was the other one? The um, guy that was uh, thought he was cursed or whatever or was going to die. So, yeah, the, all of those guys are um, the same tribe. So I'm assuming they would have shot all of these episodes, like, in an order to utilise yeah. that. With that cursing episode, that mm. tribe was supposed to be from the other end of the country that the billionaire had to fly in locally. Yes. I guess they're just assuming now these guys will cover everything. Yes, yeah, I think so. Well, that one was more authentic because they were actually from NT, but then they made that convoluted story that they moved from Waratah back in the day and he just never um, moved. So, yeah, it, that was sort of interesting. But, yeah, so it's the same tribe. And so we um, we have those guys and they start taking Clancy away from the dirty uh, poople. And then Clancy's a little bit reluctant, but then she does end up following. Uh, the tribe hide as she sort of approaches and then she sort of comes out into the sort of clearing and then they all appear, appear behind her. Um, two of the men grab her by the arms and then they sort of lead her away and they eventually take her to the camp which I thought was sort of interesting and they've got like a whole bunch of humpies set up and a little campfire and then they take her to um, as Leah said earlier a little rock hollow and there's some fresh water in there and she drinks it very very gratefully so she's you know knows that there's no ill intent going on and she knows she's probably pretty safe. They take her to the campfire and then um, she sits down with them and then they give her some food and she eats it and she says it's really good and then she asks what it is and then um, the main tribesman, he draws a snake 
on the rocks with a, another rock and uh, then she sort of goes, oh, I'm not hungry actually, which I thought was a bit silly because it's like if it tastes good, just eat it. Get that snake bloody scared you. <laughs> before <laughs> scared your horse. Yeah, so, Ash, what do you reckon about this whole encounter? Yeah, no, I thought that was a nice turning point moment because yeah. we're talking about how do you communicate trust between these two people who can't speak the same language and yeah. Thinking in a pool of water, just it was a nice poetic way that Ross had written for trust to be established. So, you know, Ross has got some real talent there, as much as we knock his uh, attitude sometimes. Uh, no, a- he's got some nice, nice moments. Nice moments, yeah, he wrote that one. So, yeah, and then I thought the drawing was a good way to communicate. The snake scene, I liked it, but I thought Cat Clancy was going to spit it out. I was going, don't spit it out, just don't spit it out. She's quite sort of demure about it. So that that was quite restrained for Clancy, and and like you said, it would have been um nice to get revenge on the snake that <laughs> that bullet. So I thought, yeah. well, that's what I thought. I might have thought she would have been like, rah, 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 rah. yeah, yeah. So um, so th- we had some really nice moment there. Uh, so, so, so there's no threat. And then Clancy gets the idea from the snake drawing to start drawing a map of where she's from and, you know, try to give them an idea of where, you know, how to get home. So she draws like a fork uh, of a river. Um, and then uh, the main guy, he made transman comes up and he sort of draws a, something and then they sort of all like talk and then they all agree. And then they motion for Clancy to follow them. And then she makes a very funny joke. She says, oh, well, I'll probably just end up in Queensland and then follows them. So, um, you know, not a bad place to go, Clancy. Come on. So I thought that was an interesting uh, little uh, uh, moment there. We cut back to Matt. Matt radios the chopper. And uh, he says uh, he's had no luck finding her and he's got to go pick up Mrs. Merrick. Uh, he tells them to keep searching and he will try to take as long as possible to get her back. We cut back to Clancy still following the men. Cut back to Sonny at the station with Skippy. And this is our first shot of Sonny for this whole episode. Yay! <laughs> Which I, I was like going, when is Sonny going to be in this episode? But uh, he actually ha- does have a purpose in this episode and that is to keep Mrs. Merrick very, very busy. And he's there minding his own business with Skippy and he's talking about Mrs. Merrick and then suddenly a taxi arrives with Mrs. Merrick in it. And she comes up to him and says, oh, you probably don't remember me. Uh, it's me, Mrs. Merrick. Where's Clancy? And then Sonny's like close up of Sonny's very shocked face. His eyes could have been a little bit wider, I thought. But anyway, guys, what did you reckon of this moment, Lee? Yeah, I always love it when they do their smash zooms. (laughs) Even though Sunny might not be acting as surprised as we would have liked, the smash zoom does so much of the work for him. It it brings it forward, doesn't it? Yeah, it just really works. So, no, I like that setup. I thought that whole thing was quite good. I don't know if you're like me as well. When Clancy made that thing about, oh, gosh, well, I'll probably end up in Queensland. Are you like me where when you hear your own state referred to, you get a little bit excited? Yes, yeah. Weird. The weird thing is probably what, you know, because we're so used to seeing so many shows from the US or the UK and they're always talking about their own cities and states there. So it's probably the same feeling that, you know, maybe someone hears when they're like, oh, we're going to be in New York and they're from New York. It's like, yeah. well, well we end up in Queensland. I'm like, I, yeah, here we are. I, it sort of reminded me the um, in Mad Max 2 where the guy has the postcard where they're going, like at the old old guy and it's like the Gold Coast. Yeah. It's like that. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, I thought that was really funny. Well, I think it's also because you always hear Sydney referred to. There's always because that's no, no Brisbane. No, but when you hear something that's from your and you know Brisbane is the third largest city in Australia, so Mm. it's not like Queensland is an unheard of state. But I think it's just yeah, when when it's referred to, you just get a bit of a kick. It's same as like when you see Brisbane in the Matrix, like the original Matrix, when you can see the Brisbane city in the background. Yeah, as well as Sydney, you get this real like, oh man, that's like I walk around there. Yeah, Um, I've heard it. Isn't Ozark the like references of them wanting to move to Brisbane or the Gold Coast or something. I don't know, but I I haven't watched the series. Sorry. And sorry, I forgot to mention the actress that played Mrs. Merrick. She was Jessica Node. She was in quite a lot of stuff, Home and Away, Neighbours. She was Edna Ramsey, and she was in the uh, Ned Kelly movie with Mick Jagger, Homicide, of course, The Stranger, uh, Seasons of Passion, like lots of stuff. Uh, Sorry, I just thought I'd mention that. Okay, so we go uh, back to Sonny. He's stuttering out. Uh, he doesn't know what to say. He says, we didn't expect you so early. And then Mrs. Merrick says she couldn't wait to see Clancy. Sonny then goes to the radio and um, answers it because Matt's calling. Matt says he's missed Mrs. Merrick and he um, tells him to keep her busy, basically. And Sonny quickly cuts the radio because <laughs> Mrs. Merrick comes inside. Um, and she's like going, oh, was that your father? What's going on? Blah, 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 blah. And so Sonny's like on both ends here because Matt's like going, what the bloody hell is he doing? Um, so, yeah, I thought it was a very interesting little funny situation for, for old Sonny to be in. Um, he said that um, Matt is going to pick her up and he's on his way back. Matt gets into in the car and he heads off. So uh, he's, ba- he's back on his way. Um, but the good thing is Sonny left on the sound so Matt could hear him talking to Mrs. Merrick. So Matt knows the deal. He knows Mrs. Merrick's there. So Sonny is, you know, working pretty hard to try to resolve this situation. And Sonny shows Mrs. Merrick around, but she insists on seeing Clancy. Uh, She thought she'd be uh, practicing on the piano. And then there's an awkward situation where um, Sonny says, oh, she practices all the time. And then it cuts to the piano and it's just piled with stuff, newspapers and toys looking really unused. Uh, Sonny says, oh, you'd be very proud of her. And then so we got back to Clancy and the tribe. They stop and they hear the chopper. It flies overhead. Clancy tries to get the attention, but she can't, uh, doesn't see see them at all. Uh, Sonny then tries to keep Mrs. M busy, Mrs. Merrick, and she really wants to see Clancy and um, sort of ask where she is. Sonny says, maybe she went with Dad. And then she's like, why didn't you tell me that earlier? Um, and, which, nice save there, Sonny. And then we've got Matt driving back, and then Clancy stops with the men and asks if they know where they're going. Um, you know, she's getting a bit worried now. They walk to a point where there's a lookout, and she sees the fork in the river that she you know, Drew on the rock, so call back. It's it's all working out. Clancy knows where she is, finally. Uh, she thanks them, and then she runs off, uh, waving goodbye, and all the tribe wave goodbye too. Can I just add as yeah. well, by the way, John, when she goes to ask them, do you know where you're going? Yeah. Their response they all burst out laughing. They literally laugh in her face. That's not the most assuring thing to get when you're asking someone, do you know where you're going? (laughs) laugh in your face. I guess it's because they were already where they needed to be. So her asking that question was silly. But then why were they laughing? Because like, did they understand her? I think they have a touch of English. I reckon there was a touch of English there. Yeah, they they knew a bit, but they, they knew what, her meaning was but they didn't know how to talk back yeah the confusion and, and also that moment there felt very 
like Wizard of Oz when Dorothy was saying goodbye to Tin Man and Lion. <laughs> yes. I'll, you, I'll always remember you, Tin Man, and you, Scarecrow. It had that vibe about it. She was on a magical journey. Um, she Like, there was just snakes, possums, like, everything. So uh, we have Matt still driving back, and then we've got Sonny showing uh, Mrs. Merrick Clancy's room. Sonny goes to the radio uh, quickly uh, and explains the situation to um, Matt while he's got a bit of time alone. And Clancy arrives home finally. She sees her mother, though, coming out of her room and, like, hides behind a tree. But Skippy is also out the front, just sort of milling about. She's not doing much. She hides behind the bushes and then calls Skippy. And then Mrs. Merrick is quizzing Sonny and then drops the bombshell of, like, maybe she does need a mother's care, like, threatening to take Clancy away, which, you know, oh, jeez. And so Skippy hops into Clancy's room, and uh, so this is where Skippy's draw-rifling skills come into full play. So she gets a dress out of her drawer, um, puts it in a pouch, and then runs off to um, Clancy. And then Clancy puts it on, like, in lightning speed. We don't even see it. It's, like, the next shot, and she's in this dress. And so Clancy runs out in the dress, uh, and she sort of hides. And then Matt's car approaches, and it comes down. And as it comes up to the wall, we've got Mrs. Merrick and Sonny out the front. And it's a very, like, I don't know how they how she pulled this off. It's just, like, whatever the camera doesn't show, we can't see, I guess. And we have Matt pulling up. He gets out, and he's he goes up to uh, Mrs. Merrick. She goes, oh, I thought Clancy was with you. And then Matt's about to admit what's going on. And then Clancy runs out from behind this wall and sort of goes to the car at the door. And then she sort of slams the door to act like she's just got out of the car. And her mum like goes, oh, Clancy, Clancy, Clancy. And so he, she runs to her mother, hugs her. They She winks uh, as she's hugging to Matt and Sonny because they're like going, what the hell? What the, what the hell's going on? And um, <laughs> then we have an, another shot of Sonny out the front and he's peeling potatoes. Is that right? I don't know, guys. Did you know what he was doing? I don't know exactly. What is, I can't remember that scene because I was just so shocked at how tricky this resolution was. I was tense the whole time. And I was actually quite happy that Skippy didn't bring back like a bra and panties like the weirdo she is. Like she brought back, <laughs> yeah, yeah. She brought back practical stuff. Practical, wearable dresses. Uh, and that, that car door slam, was everything was just so precarious in this whole plan. Um, yeah, so, yeah, well played. in the. I don't know if it was even necessary. Clancy could have just come out from behind the bushes and said, I oh, should just been for a walk or something. But yeah, maybe this works better. Yeah. Like it, there could have been definitely a little bit more of an easy resolution. And I was surprised at how clean she was like, cause she was full on dirty, but I guess maybe she cleaned herself up somehow with her clothes. I don't know, yeah. but yeah, no, very, very speedy resolution that came out of nowhere. Um, so we have uh, Sunny peeling potatoes or something and Mrs. Merrick coming out with Clancy saying she owes Matt apologies. She thought Clancy had been neglecting her studies. Obviously, she'd just been showing her mum how great she was at scales or whatever she was playing. And then Mrs. Merrick asks if uh, Clancy could stay a little longer. Matt says as long as she likes and she's part of the family now, which is very sweet. Uh, we have Sunny asking Skippy uh, what she has and because she's holding some clothes. And Skippy's got like a backpack full of Clancy's dirty riding clothes. And then she says quickly, oh, Skippy, and then quickly like hurries her mum away to sort of 
say, oh, I've got something else to show you, you know, keep her distracted. And then Sonny says um, it was the clothes Clancy were wearing while she was uh, riding. And then Skippy is stuffing them in the backpack. And then Matt tells Sonny that um, there's an old saying, never let the cat out of the bag, right, Skippy? And Skippy agrees and they all laugh. A really fantastic little uh, tie up there. Yeah, no, I, I, I'll i get onto the review straight away. Oh, well, unless you guys wanted to say anything about that ending. I mean, good. I just thought it was good the way they really built up Clancy's mum to be almost the villain because yeah. she, like you said, she says she threatens to take her away and she just keeps escalating her <laughs> manic freaking out when she thinks Clancy's not there. You know, yeah. as Honey's trying to keep her off the trail. She's saying things like, I had a bad feeling about this. I knew, like, she's literally starting <laughs> to panic. And I also thought that. Sonny did a pretty good job oh, yeah. of signaling not only to Matt, like you said, he kept the radio on and said, oh, yes, Mrs. Merrick, I'll be right there. So Matt goes, oh, wow, okay, she's there. Thanks mm. for letting me know. And then after that, Jerry and Mark radio in, and they also don't know what's going on. And Sonny does the same kind of, okay, I'll just say, yes, Mrs. Merrick, I'm doing this, so that they hear it. And they even make a point and say, he's trying to warn us. He's trying to warn us. That oh, yeah, there. sorry. I did skip yeah. that bit. Yeah, no, yeah, right. He, Sonny works hard to he cover did. it up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A comment on that because I thought he did a really good job of being thrown under pressure. He didn't expect it. He didn't know Mrs. Merrick was going to turn up. And then he actually dealt with it really cleverly and had to think very quickly to solve that. So I thought it was it was really good. I think it also explains Clancy's personality because she's quite uptight or she and she was, especially when she first joined the show. She's mm. quite uptight, prim and proper. And I guess at home there was no room for error in with her mum being that way, just always so strict yep. and controlling so Clancy's personality makes quite a lot of sense being raised in a household like that yeah and things a lot more lax at the uh, Hammond household um (laughs) yeah no so we'll get on to the reviews Uh, like because this was so similar to the Aunt Evelyn episode and it even involved the same horse because that episode was all about Sonny getting taken away you know because he might not be getting raised properly so I'm going to give this one a lower score than I'd normally do I'm going to give it a three and a half which is I know very harsh but I feel like if this episode was played before that Aunt Evelyn episode I would have probably given it a four Ashwin what what did you reckon yeah I wasn't super gripped by this episode just first instincts it was a bit of a three and a half type of episode what I did like about this was the moment of trust that was built between two very different people who just had to find a way to communicate with each other. I thought, oh, that's quite a novel um, script, plot point, plot theme that you had. So I think that'll push it up a little bit to a mm. 3.8 gum leaves for me. So, yeah, Lee, uh, what did you reckon? I actually liked this episode as well. I think all the points that you mentioned made it a good episode. The only one I'll add that I really liked was that it was nice to have a Clancy-centric episode for once. I don't think we've ever actually, maybe the piano one, but even then I feel like it was more dealing with how the Hammonds would, how they were reacting. It was an introduction and it was more around how they were, like the family was reacting to having Clancy with them. Whereas this was really all about Clancy. So Mm. I, I really liked that. I think that was a unique element. But all the other points you mentioned, it was a bit redundant. We'd seen the beats before. I'm going to give it an extra point, though, because of the fact that it did have that Indigenous Australian element, which I always like when they include that. And, you know, it had a bit of that pressure. It was limited to will Mrs. Merrick find out Clancy is missing or not was really the extent of it. But I think it worked for an episode about her. Like if she was kidnapped or something else sinister, for example, probably would have been too much and it would have been really impossible 
for her to have stayed with them after that if her mother finds out that she's been kidnapped, even though we know she's been put in danger plenty of times before. Her mother doesn't <laughs> yeah. know any of that. Um, so I think, you know, the fact that it allowed her to stay, I liked. So I'm, I'm around the same kind of mark as you guys. Funnily enough, though, John, this is the first time that you've been below Ashwin and I because I'm actually giving this one 3.75 gum leaves. Wow. <laughs> wow, that is, yes. Well, I thought I'd better, you know, by the 37th episode, I'd better give one a sort of like <laughs> score than four. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, oh, well, yeah, that, I think that's a pretty good average episode. Episode though, and as I said, I think I would have given it way more if um, we'd seen it earlier. And I have a feeling that it might have been aired earlier than that other episode because it just felt feels like this episode belongs maybe in the first like ten episodes rather than the last three. And you did mention to us, John, that they tend when they were redoing these episodes last week. We talked about this. They tended to shuffle them around anyway. Yeah. And so it, it, it has to have happened before the Aunt Evelyn because Matt specifically says yeah. bullet through Clancy. And yeah. this is the episode that happened. So it has to have been aired before that. Yeah, no, that's what I think. And so for the next episode, we're up to 38, The Long Night. This episode, we've got a pair of industrial spies on the trail of a roll of secret microfilm masquerade as detectives and try to cover their tracks by accusing Mark of a hit and run accident. Jeez. Only Skippy is aware of their true identities. Done. Well, that sounds like an awesome uh, second last episode for this season. So, yeah, guys, um, we'll check out that one then. And, Lee, thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Let's chat to you next week. And, Ashwin. Thanks, guys. See you next time. Skippy, 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 Skippy,